Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Scott Mullins from Malawi Working Dogs. Scott will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they'll win a bag of Enduro, high energy food for Working Dogs with Real Kangaroo, mate. <laughs> How's it going, Scott? All good there? Bloody beautiful. Thanks for having me on, guys. No, no, thank you. You're welcome, mate. Thanks for jumping on. I just seen you looking around and I was like, oh, is it all good? No, because I, uh, I always think um, everyone's really badly prepared when they come to the question. And then, <laughs> I, and, and then I was, and I just asked my wife to get me a pen and paper so I write this stuff down as we go. <laughs> <laughs> just in the background, mate, if you like a question, just look at her and go, yep. Finish oh, <laughs> well, there is one question here already. Yeah, that's right. We'll wait. We'll hang on to that one. Family, family don't get um to get them to straight to the beginning of the line. That's, that's okay. <laughs> now, mate, Scott, thank you very much for jumping on tonight, mate. We, we really appreciate it. Um, for our um, listeners out there that don't know yourself, mate, do you want to give us a quick rundown on who is Scott Mullins? Um, yep. So I'm Scotty Mullins. I'm actually pretty humbled to have been asked to be on this illustrious show that you guys have. Um, I am a farm manager in the Western Districts of uh, Victoria. Um, a father of three, husband of my lovely wife, Annie. Um, I have uh, a little small Kelpie stud um, and I breed a few stumpy tails, but I'm not breed racist. I'm, I've had, I've got a hundaway, I've had collies, uh, I've had them all. So, um, yeah, so we, we are, I, I probably grew up um, in New South Wales. Well, I did grow up in New South Wales. Um, <laughs> so were you I, drunk? Uh, no, no, it's just straight <laughs> coffee, I promise. No, no, when you when you were growing up, you said, I probably grew up in New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually was born in Auburn, um, in Sydney, and I spent eight days there and I didn't like the joint, so um, I, I, I left there as... Uh, as a little fella, and we moved to Orange, and uh, that's mostly where I grew up. But I lived in Gosford, Taree, uh, Perth. Uh, that's where I finished high school. But I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> so yeah, and then I grew. I, I left school. I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to be either uh, in agriculture or a school teacher. And it's weird how you you end up because um, I uh, I left school and I jackarooed and built my career up through through that uh, um, and I ended up becoming um, a trainer with a group called Wrist uh, in in Hamilton and so I taught ag skills there for nearly 10 years as well as um, working as a contractor in the in the around the Hamilton area so it was, it was weird I actually ended up doing both but I'm back fat managing farms now and and loving it how did you end back up on the on the property? Uh, I got approached um, by uh, the company um, to to come back, and I knew the previous manager, and he had done he and his wife had done a very good job, and I knew him very well, um, and we've been having discussions about you know how I could be involved, and then and it just it grew from there, um, so. I, I wasn't looking for a role, but and it's as it's happened in my career and, and happened to most, it's it's word of mouth, it's connections. I was talking to um, 
Josh Laddie today, and 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 it's weird how the dog world uh, gets you in and networks you and and helps get you. Uh, I guess, I get you know helps your career out, and it certainly has all, all the way through my career. Every job I can guarantee, every job I've ever had has been because of working dogs. Yeah. That, that's all, awesome. and it's funny. Like sometimes, like yeah, what you know helps you, but who you know, like get get your foot in the door too, right? It does exactly. And you mentioned earlier about Jack Rewing. Do you want to talk us through that, mate? Where where'd you end up? Well, how did it come to be? Well, I I'm the son of a uh, insurance salesman, uh, and my mum worked for Centrelink for thirty five years. So um, agriculture skipped a generation. So I knew I was keen. Um, we had a little farm that I thought was it and a bit around Orange, around Ofa. Um, as far as carrying capacity goes, you could run a rat to the square mile there. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't um, a very good property, but we, I, I did learn the value of a good mustering dog there. So when I was um, a young youth, and so we moved to Perth and I was like, like a fish out of water over there. And I loved it. It was great. Um, the chicks were hot. Um, I learned to bodyboard. It was good fun. But as soon as I finished high school, I moved back to Orange, like that, you know, straight away. And I got a job on a farm around Orange um, for a very bad farmer. Um, and uh, and I did a traineeship. And I met a, a mate through through that, and we got and we connected over sheepdogs of all things. And he got me a job on a on a really good farm called Tunbridge Wells and uh, and the owner owner manager there put it put me on as a as a uh, second year jackaroo and uh, and I learned a tremendous lot from him so so that's how we did and and I just and he I got promoted to overseer reasonably quickly there and um, and and once again it was because of dogs that you know if you've got good dogs and, and you're clever with stock you you know you can build your career reasonably quickly yeah Oh, sorry. I don't want to mention any names or anything, but you made a, a statement like by a bad farmer. Like, do you want to just elaborate? Like, what? Why was it such a negative experience? Um, he was what a was tight ass. Negative experience. He, he he was a proper tight ass. So he, he he paid the bare minimum. I don't even know how. If it wasn't for the kindness of my grandparents, um, I don't know how, how I would have survived. Um, I could put fuel in the old Sigma. That was about it. Um, oh, great car. They were not. That was a piece of junk, that thing. Um, but <laughs> but the, I used to put the two sheepdogs in and go to work every morning. Um, he he wasn't a good farmer. His animal welfare was terrible. His management was was next to zero. Um, the overseer that I worked under there resigned six months into it, and uh, and I got offered the overseer's role as an 18 year old kid on four and a half thousand acres um, there. And he just, and you know, that that should never happen for starters. It was just, I was a cheap option. Um, it just, I'll give you an example. We were feeding out wheat and I didn't know much, but um, I didn't think wheat should blow away in the wind. Um, and uh, so I was feeding it off the back of the ute and, uh, and it was blowing away on a windy day. And I said, oh, Mr. So-and-so, I said, I don't, I don't want to be rude, but how long has that wheat been in the silo? And he said, oh, I don't actually know. It's probably been there about 25 years um, since we yeah. bought the place. And 
So I was never going to learn much there. So it was mostly the learning. I didn't mind the work. Um, the work was good. And I, I met some top blokes, some really good shearers and landmarking contractors and, and the stock were, were pretty good. In, in, the one thing he did was invest in good stock, but um, but it was the way he grazed his pastures, his stocking rate, it was, it was all horrible. It was, just wasn't pleasant. How, how then, when you got into the teaching role, do you think that experience really helped you out? Like, because you said the next one was fantastic, but having like that one that wasn't so fantastic, you reckon that balanced out things for you? Some good stories to, to tell while you were teaching, at yeah, least. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, I am renowned for it. Um, <laughs> so, guys and girls, this isn't how you feed out wheat. <laughs> <laughs> and I might even use that story. Um, but no, it, de it definitely helped me when I was, when I became a trainer and uh, providing feed as a unit that we, we did. And um, and so it, it it did two things. So my, my second boss, he was a he was a gentleman um, and very well trained <clears throat> himself. And he and he trained young young men. So a, young, a, a bloke I used to jackery with, a young fella. Um, he uh, and I we lived together, and we we should compete a fair bit, but um, with everything, um, how quick you could drench a race of sheep, you know, um, you, you could get back to the sheds the quickest, you know, all that on the ag bikes. It was all sorts of different things. But um, who had the toughest sheep dog? I wouldn't do it now, but we did then. Um, and all those stupid things, but but Mr. Brown, I will say him, um, he was he he just would make make it. He was hard, but he was fair, and so you knew what you did. He and he rewarded good work. Uh, at the end of the at the end of the pay week, we used to get an envelope, and you'd have to go up to Mr. Brown's house and go and collect your your pay, and it would be on the back window, and there'd be a little note that'd say, "Oh look, uh, Scotty, thanks for a big week." really appreciate all your efforts and there'd be a, a bloody pineapple in it and you go holy moly geez you know in those days that was that was amazing to get that an extra 50 bucks in a fortnight um so he just he, he, you know when you paid you a little bit above the award he, he he trained you well he gave you weekends off when you when uh when you um when we weren't busy it was just a good good one and yes and so i definitely did i remember those good opportunities and being treated well and uh and i always thought you know po and positive works better so for a trainer for a trainer i always try to um pump pump the young ones tires up um because i'm a, I'm a massive believer in it <coughs> yeah so how did you go from there to training how did that come about um so i did i've, I've worked in Oh, I don't know. And did you just become the principal straight away there as well? No, definitely not. <laughs> um, I'm the CEO's office is just over there. But uh, no, I um, I had a uh, I guess a, a career where I got opportunities offered to me through oh, over four over four states. I've worked in four states in you know different areas and and from three thousand acres up to twenty five thousand acres. I worked as a cattle manager, as a, you know, a system manager on a big, super fine uh, merino place in Tassie, um, and I've just, I guess, I built my career first. So there was a long time between 
jack drawing and training. So I went from overseer. It's actually the longest apprenticeship you'll ever serve to become a manager. And I don't think you can rush becoming a manager. So any young ones out there, don't rush to do it because there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of um, yeah things to learn between, you know, from leaving school and, and, and becoming, a, I think, a good manager. Um, and I don't even think that I am one. Um, but the training I was doing, I was working with, um, I was on the committee for the Cassidy and Kelpie Association, and we were doing demos, working dog demos down at Warnable. Um, and uh, we were in between the cannon fire that they were doing on this, uh, oh, I forget what, Flagstar Field or something it's called, um, where they were setting off the cannons. My dogs were trying to bury themselves in the ground between each cannon fodder. Um, they're not very gun proof. Um, and then and then I was doing these demos and, and there was a lady there that um, saw me doing the demonstrations, saw that I might have had uh, the gift of the gab. So I said, would you ever be interested in, in, uh, in working with us? And I said, sure, definitely. I always look at opportunities. So I uh, did that. And lo and behold, I got, I got offered a, you know, a traineeship coordinator. What I did work out there is that I'm not very good at being a traineeship coordinator. I might have a little bit of ADD. Um, and so I need to be out in the tools a, a bit. Um, and, uh, but I was a reasonably good trainer. And so they came back on part-time as a, as a trainer while we were, well, my wife and I ran a little co uh, contracting business called Malawi Agricultural. And, um, and yeah, and that's, and so I grew from there. And, and we, we, I, I absolutely love the training. I've got mates that are, I trained 10 years ago that come and shear my sheep and, um, that I'm, I'm friends with now that, uh, that were like 16 year old kids that, um, you know, we, we, we put, showed them how to use a drench gun and ride a quad bike safely or did a chemical users course, that kind of stuff. Did you find going from doing it full time to going back part time and contracting, you had more credibility with your students? Because you still had hands-on practical experience. One of my biggest griefs is, and I and I I had great trainers when I did my traineeship uh, in Orange. So I had um, two two tremendous blokes that taught us what to do, and they were proper farmers. And I do believe that um, you know you, there's there's trainers and there's trainers, and I, and I think you've got to have a bit of street cred, and um, you've got to be able to walk the walk. Hopefully, I do have that. Um, they keep trying to get me to do tractor courses here, uh, and uh, I push back and push back because if any of my employers or uh, workmates are here from my past, well, they would all laugh if they if I got ever asked to train tractors because as a tractor operator, I make a very good um, sheep man. <laughs> I love it. I was waiting for some like optio scientist or something. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um so from from there you went contracting and now what are you doing these days? So I manage a farm called it's a group of farms called Holt Farms, um, which is we have thirty thousand composite use. Um, we've, and we've currently got about 11,000 ewe lambs uh, with them. We haven't uh, sold any of those yet. 
Um, so, yeah, so with that, and we've got four full-timers, uh, three casual staff members to run those. They're not all on one block. It, it would be a dream. It would be easy to run if it was all in one block. Unfortunately, they're spread over eight or nine uh, properties. Um, and so, and and they could be uh, 45 minutes apart, the furthest of them. So I do a lot of miles drinking coffee and making phone calls. Um, yeah. And uh, and I've got a tremendous group of young stock people that are extremely passionate about agriculture and work their asses off um, uh, for me there. And um, and they're very clever. So I'm, I'm sport rotten with the staff that I have and the um, and the opportunity that's been extended to me to, to manage a, an operation like this yeah, because saying, it's great. You're only as good as, sorry, mate. I was just saying, it's only like you've just given your staff an absolute rap there. And I just wanted to actually highlight that because, like, let's say you're only as good as your team or you're only as good as your cattle, right? Like, so highlighting that is obviously it speaks a bit volumes about yourself. Mm. And having coming from like the educational background to it and running a team, do you find that helps you with the young people to get them motivated? Or do you find that sometimes they think they find you patronizing because you go back? And maybe use some old training techniques. Did is Harriet Waters on there now? Because uh, she, <laughs> no. she, she thinks I blow wind up her backside all the time. Um, no, so oh, actually, she is listening. Good day, Harriet. She is on tonight. Hi, Harriet. Um, <laughs> a question from her. So <laughs> she's she. I've got I've got Adam James, who's um, he's probably the you know he needs no introduction. But we all reckon has is a better. Um, dog woman than Adam is, so that's saying something. Just joking, Adam. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it does. I do, I, it's a it's a fine line. I, I honestly, you know, and I I don't. I'm d certainly. I keep going back. I'm not perfect, and I'm before this. No no joke. I'd I'd employed casual. I might have employed one casual, and any and I might. Uh, we work really well with cattle work. But um, sheep work, we're probably not as good as what we could be. Um, so I wasn't, it's not like I've got a great uh, experience as a, as a leader of staff. Um, so I'm still, I'm still learning on the go. I haven't been in the role for 12 months yet. Um, but I have worked in big teams and, and, uh, and, and been involved in the training industry. It definitely helps attitude and the way you talk and lead your staff is is important um and 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 i do believe in you know um i actually stole this from ian o'connell so ian o'connell's got a uh an, an analogy when he talks about a young sheepdog and he'll say you know if you go and prune and and he makes it like a like a shrub or a bush so if you've got a shrub or a bush and i was sorry ian if i paraphrase this wrong but you trim, you trim, and you cut it, and you keep it down, and and you keep it in the, the shape you want, and it doesn't. It takes forever to grow and develop, and it might never grow to its full potential. But if you let it grow out and a bit wild and um, and bushy, and you just take a bit here, a bit there, you know, and you just trim a little bit at a time, and you just take that little bit of an edge off it, and you'll end up having a really nice, well-rounded shrub or bush at the end of it. And I think people, I do it with my kids. I've got uh, my three kids are at home now, probably watching here, but I've got one and they'll know who I'm talking about, who, and anyone who knows my three, 
you know, I've got one wild rowdy bush that needs a little trim every now and then. Um, and and so I don't see it any different whether it's a, a sheepdog pup, um, a staff member, or a uh, um, or a uh, almost son. Not mentioning any names, Clancy. Um, yeah. So so you know, and so it's a, that's that's what I that's the way I see it. I I want I want to encourage them to grow big and strong and powerful. Um, you know, you don't see athletes going out there thinking, "Oh, I might score a try today, or I might kick a goal." You know, um, they go out there thinking they're going to, you know, breathe fire and and kick ten or score fifteen tries. You know, that's the way. That's what a winner thinks about, and that's what I want. You know, staff to think like. Oh, mate, that, that's that's awesome. That's admirable. And you believe that that's the way of a culture change happening out out there? Um, and are there still a few people? A few dinosaurs about just definitely dinosaurs um definitely dinosaurs and but i definitely do think it is a winning culture and and, and the company i work for um i give them due credit they they try to do everything right in that regards in, in regard to staffing and and like so i get supported from above really well and so they know they know that there's um benefits to keeping people like that. And I think all the corporates are starting to realise that and they've got to, to have good staff and to, and to retain them. They've got to, they've got to look after them. So we're coming up with ways to do it better. And agriculture has been the last bastion of unsafe work practices. And that includes bullying and, um, and not looking after, after your staff men mentally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it is, it's a, it, it is becoming better. But I think ag still is a long way to go. And how about investing in them? As in, well, I think they do. I mean, um, uh, no that's to invest and develop your staff, right? You do, and 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 it's and it's a challenge. I'll, I'll admit it's a challenge because um, I remember coming on board last year, and and we had a trainee that was away a day a week, and we're, we're that under the pump. We got a lot of things going on. And you go, oh, a day a week, geez, and it's frustrating. When I was a trainer, I didn't, I didn't care. You've got to come to training every week. That's your, you know, that's part of your traineeship. You have to come. As an employer, <laughs> I find that very challenging to avail to avail them for training. Because hang on, we've still got we got relying on you, you know. To, and so it's it's sort of a it's a fine line. So yes, you, but we do. We have to invest in training. We have to invest in wages. Um, and we are getting a lot better. When I left managing my previous place, um, all my staff, which was only 2016, all my staff were above what I was managing 6,000 acres on, you know, and I was on my own and did the lot, uh, my wife and I. So um, so the wages in since 2016 have gone up dramatically. There was, some, there was a contractor, and I won't mention his name, but he had a great... Um, Advert and, and there was a quick there was a discussion about what we have to pay people now, um, yeah. and, and that that is a reality. That's that's what we have to start looking at. I'm pretty sure I know the advert you're talking about. Yep. I, I remember reading about it. Yeah, or, or following it a bit. Yeah, and, and and half of my staff, you know, looked at it and I, they're not allowed um, to look. <laughs> I'm going I'm going to take revoke all, all internet privileges from them. <laughs> so, I know harping on a bit, sorry, but just what 
what what kind of ways are there to incentivize and to invest in your staff like you know obviously within the business and and upskilling with different courses but like dog handling schools and yep so we've already done a gary white school this year adam adam does schools out there um uh already so he just does little short ones and he can run as many as he wants um so dog schools are important stock schools are important um I remember I did a low-stress Jim Lindsay school, oh, 2003 or four, and um, and that was a massive light bulb moment for me, uh, and and probably changed the way I looked at stock. I thought I was good with stock till I did that, and um, that blew my mind. So d definitely that. I think dangling carrots in front of people is important, and and having career paths. Um, set up you know so that and they're clear and honest and 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 uh realistic um so you know i'm part of a corporate and and you know we've we've got um some opportunities elsewhere potentially going forward <clears throat> so I'm, I'm 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 too honest half the time in us and uh i don't really hide much but i've I've told the CEO of our company that, you know, that we'll train managers, you know, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to let, let my good one go. And I tell them that I'm happy to let them go. Not yet. They're not allowed to go yet. But uh, once we, you know, so there's got to be a process. So you try to um, help their careers and um, it's selfish to try to hang on to them. And, 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 and it's unrealistic because you won't hang on to them. So you net you Let's train them, get the best out of them while they're there. Make your workplace attractive so that if they leave, it's it's very easy to get other people in. And, and yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask is, you know, you put all this time and effort into staff and and the, um, I forgot the word you used, but staff development, I guess, with the schools and all the rest. How do you convince the corporate people that that, you know, it's beneficial to them when their staff could leave next week? I think... I, I think the the runs on the board in in ag over the last you know, ten or fifteen years in, in in my career where where people don't stay um, forever and, yeah. and and so we know and so they know they're not they're not silly they're you know the corporates who got to their stage by knowing it um, and so they they know that you're not going to hang on to them. Um, I've, I've, I've worked for four corporates, um, some good, some not so good. I, and I like the corporates because they've got money. Um, yeah. And it's not just money for wages. It's money to invest back in the farm so that yeah. you don't have, like, for instance, this year we've, we've, you know, we've got two new buggies. We've got a new tractor. Um, in the last 12 months, we've had two lids put over uh, some of the yards and brand new shearing shed. They're not afraid to invest in agriculture. It's, yeah. you know... And 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 to be honest, the worst year, I'm the worst manager gone. I didn't cut a kilo of silage, and uh, the market fell out of the store lamb, which is our main income stream. So uh, I'll go down as the worst manager going um, for <laughs> us. But they're still willing to invest, and and that's what why I like this crew I'm with. Um, and and some are good and some are bad. Family farms, I love family farms, and some of my greatest. Um, experiences uh as uh you know from as an individual and as a family have come from family farms 
and having my family part of those. Um, but unfortunately, they don't have the capital to spend. Like, you know, yeah, um, I've got rich tastes. I need, I need to be. <laughs> smoke, smoke on lunchtime on the company. Yeah. Cost right. Mate, while we're talking about investing now, how about investing in stock? Like, and I don't mean like purchasing. I mean like investing um, effort, putting time and effort into the stock you have on the ground. What, what's your philosophy on that? As in, so, so what do you mean, Dan? Sorry, so as in... Um, so like low-stress stock handling oh, techniques and... Yeah, you know, so, nice so you've got to do that. And and my predecessor, so Richard Davies was my predecessor, and I'm going to give him enormous credit for the what he's done. So I actually got offered this job oh, several years ago before Richard um, was there, and... And I couldn't see a vision. He got offered it not that long um, after, and they had nine hundred sheep. He grew it to thirty thousand, and he grew and he did it really well. Now the sheep that he bred is a, it's a Romney Highlander cross, a composite sheep, really tough, really fertile. Um, and and I used to watch from afar. The reason I'm involved in this is because I used to watch watch from afar and see the grass that they grew. The the type of sheep they bred. So it was, it was great. Um, and I, um, and so, and part of that was the, was the stock management and really calm, really good stockmanship across all of them, really high ideals for that. And so I, I guess I've tried to continue that on. I'm, I'm, I'm a different kind of manager and I, and I run things differently. But one thing that I do, I'm, I'm a massive believer in stock and I don't like just manship because, as I said, I've got, I've, I'm probably uh, you know e equal employer. So you've we've got women involved in, in our business as well, and um, and some of the so stock womenship as well, and but calmness of the way we move our stock, and it's I don't like to see stock running. Um, they're running off the condition that we spent a lot of money in fertilizer and pasture and. And grazing and labour to get to. So um, the team they walked uh, a mob of two thousand lambs, well, five or six k's today from one property to another. And I got a, a Snapchat halfway through the day, and it pleased me no end because there was someone in the lead, there's someone on point, and there was someone behind taking this mob of lambs away. Now they've had a tough time, these poor buggers, because we've had a, a horrible case of pneumonia through our lambs, but. Um, that, but they were looking after those sheep. And that's what I like to say. And when, when I had cattle, I made sure whenever cattle went anywhere, they walked. That's what they yeah. that's their job. You got to walk everywhere. Not allowed to run, not allowed to trot. They have to walk. And um, and I I just I, it's just it makes it safer, it makes the stock better, they relax more. I don't care if they graze. If they're struggling, I say pull them up, let them have a camp, I don't care. Um, and let them have a camp under a tree and, and let them, you know, take their time. So, so looking after our stock is, is vital. So, investing that way, if that, if I hope I've read the conversation, that, yeah, no, absolutely. yeah. Do you spend any time like breaking in your lambs to dogs and and to walk? I guess you, um, I think I think I was listening to one the other week and and you asked this question. You know, we don't. I've done it with cattle. And when I was at Blackwood at Penshurst, it was the first time I've ever been able to do it. Um, and we had 
a thousand cows and I, I broke in every weaner there and um and I had a and 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 so we we did it with the cattle and I loved it and the results were amazing um and I've got a a really bad video that I nearly put on Facebook but I, I don't like the sound of my own voice but of <laughs> 600 weaners walking back into the yards of their own volition I'm 150 meters away and they're walking back in with two dogs a stumpy tail cattle dog and a and an old uh, um, Kelpie just walking back into the yards by themselves. Now that works for cattle, why the hell wouldn't it work for sheep? And we do sheep work so much more often than we don't. And I had a protocol in my head that I did with the cattle to make to get them to that standard. Why don't we do it with our sheep? And and I think the, the fundamental answer is time. Um, because you can get, you would get your sheep right. I think habits, and and I keep going back to the credit to my predecessor and 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 the staff I currently have. They all make their stock walk. Um, if we have someone that might be different or a contractor come in that might not be, and it doesn't happen very often because we do most of the mustering, but most of our sheep come in and they walk out and they lead and they look for gates. And they do those things well, and that's just habits, you know, and it's and it's good habits from weaning. Um, so I think, I think you could, we sort of do it, but we don't do anything in the yards and we don't do anything enough, enough. We could do it better. And I think the sheep industry Australia wide could do it better. And you, you mentioned there about having your, your sheep walking or not, and you think that's a massive part of, um, finding them the way you left them. So if you put yep. them out that way, you're going to find, you're going to bring them, find them and bring them back in the same way. Yep. A good mate of mine says that every time when I was contracting, He's a real cranky bum, and um, and I, I I get on very well. We drink beers really well, but working with him is is um is always interesting. But that's his one. That's one of his pet pet ones. Is is that you you put the sh the cattle or the sheep back in there the way you expect to find them, and it is and it yeah. and it is. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So while we're on that topic, there's a question here from Tom Gooden. How has your requirements changed regarding your dog team from contracting to now managing farms? Um, my my dogs have learnt to like caffeine. Um, <laughs> so he's got all dash hounds now. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do. I've got one. I know, I know, I know you do. Um, we both do. <laughs> um, and so, oh, wow. Yeah, so... Look, I'm a, I'm a glorified delivery boy these days, um, as Tom is, I'm sure. Um, so, I, you know, the, the dogs I had, um, I used to contract for Tom, actually. But, um, and... Uh, used to before you just made that comment or used uh, to... No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I hope I, I don't need to do that in the near future. But, no, so we... I, my dogs, um, I've still... I've still got my dogs. My dogs are every day to work. Actually, today was the first day that I didn't load up a dog um, since I started. But my dogs go every day, but my team fundamentally do all the stock work. I fill in where I'm required. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, and 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 so my my requirements of my dogs are probably less. I've, uh, I, I ran a hunt away for the last three years of contracting and he was a godsend, but I know sometimes I get um, asked by my team, hey, Scotty, do you reckon you can put your hunt away away? Um, because 
he's so wound up these days um, that he's, you know, he's almost more of a hindrance. Um, and and so and and I can see that, and 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 I, and I, and I have no no problems with it. My my team's good. One good thing though from contracting when I was working as a contractor, I felt really uh, I was being paid by the hour, so I didn't train dogs um, on the job. And so I'm notorious for running a dog. Uh, you know, I, I have my favourites, um, and I would run them and run them and run them until they're grey. And, and then I, my wife always says, "You always think they're younger than they are." And um, before I know it, they're 14 and going, "Oh shit, I better train the next one up." Not quite that bad, but um, and so. But now what I'm finding, I have I actually have the time because I'm at the back of the yard, so. Uh, and just getting the next mob in. So I'm actually training my young ones and getting a great deal of pleasure. I ran a young dog tonight and uh, and she did a tremendous job getting a mob of ewes in. And, um, and, and she just, she's been, uh, she's calm of mind and can handle the training better now that I don't have the pressure of, you know, trying to pump out numbers for my clients. So, so that's the way it's better, um, I think. So has your type or style of dog sort of changed from from then? Yeah, I've I've been I started with Ramulan, uh, Ken Atherton stuff in WA, um, and and I put a bit of Capri in. So I used uh, um, two of Chris's dogs years ago, a little bit Avonpart. and what I did, and that gave me a great base for my Kelpie stud back in the nineties. And um, and I loved it, and I had the Ramulan gave me a bit ability and a you know an excellent you know outside ability, um, and I got that little bit of punch and power from the Capri stuff, um, and, uh, and 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 certainly brains. Um, what I was what that enabled me to do. So I'm fundamentally a sheep man, but for a little while there, I, um, I was. I was really strong in the cattle industry, and um, and so I had to start breeding a cattle dog, and so I did. And my and the baseline of my stuff bred. So every time I changed a role, I could breed something that would suit that a little bit more. If I went back to so when I went to the Saxon fine merinos, I had to breed you know something a little bit more talent out in the scrub and the bush down in the Midlands in Tassie, and and change and change back. Um, it's been good. There's one bad thing that's happened because I brought the cattle stuff in years ago. I probably brought a bit of bite into my dogs that I don't like, and I've got a good mate um, that I just sold another pup to, and uh, and he and he he just said locally, he just said, um, "Yeah, I love your dogs, Scotty, but geez, the bastard's bite." Um, and it's probably something that I've that that is hard. And once you put it in a line. Um, it's probably it's hard to get out, and I don't love it. Um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily like bite. Definitely on sheep, very rarely on sheep, and um, and only when they need it on cattle. So, but yeah, so I did has changed, and my stumpy tails are getting fat and um and not and all they do is come out cutting firewood and um lazing around on the weekends. So I feel sorry for those poor buggers nowadays. Actually, I, I just want to jump back uh, just a little bit there because uh, actually before we came on live, um, we're talking, well, you just made a comment on, you know, that it, your missus gets up to you, hey, Scotty, your dog's 14 years old. 
and you know something coming through and we we're actually just talking about that before we got on live that's pretty common right like things just creep up and before you know it you're like holy shit i've got nothing coming through yep now, or even if you do but like you mentioned might be a decent bitch and then she ends up in pup and you know and then you go oh maybe i'll try another dog over her. so she doesn't actually quite fit into the work team there um or even maybe a trial team for someone there and you're left with kind of a void and before you know it, you've got a team there and nothing coming through like yeah have you been caught out like that i haven't been caught out i've just i've just been able to snag things every time just in throughout my career which is nearly 30 years so i had a boss bitch so i, I read this Ramuland bitch years ago to um boss it and um and she was a she was hitting a bit and i loved her i thought she could she if, in better hands i thought she could have been one anything trolling and and that kind of stuff um but where she excelled was i could fill a shearing shed um i could uh um, I could work cattle, I could work three sheep, I could work a thousand. She just did it all. And and she was amazing. And I bred her um, to everything. She she probably had too many litters, to be honest. Um, I was trying to find the next, her name was Chance, and I tried to breed the next Chance. And I, nothing, zero. And, and, and because I didn't like any of them and they weren't up to scratch, I never kept anything. And then the second to last litter, I kept one um and i didn't love it it was she was just a dog but i put her to a good dog um and and close close reasonably closely bred and i ended up getting something jagging something and i went oh i've wasted 10 years or not quite you know eight years of of this dog's life and and i ended up getting something and and then it sort of the, the penny dropped for me um so i'd, I'd love to say i'm a great breeder of dogs i'm not um, I've got a lot to learn. I'm 45, and um, I, and I wish I was 25 and know what I know now as a as a, as a dog breeder because it's you know and I and I wasted genetics. So um, that's right. Just don't make any mistakes in the next 35 years. Yeah, that's that's the problem. I won't. I promise. I won't. Thanks. Thanks for that <laughs> advice. Good advice. But anyway, but yeah. So so yeah. So I've got. I just got out each and every time. I've I've just been able to get out partly. Partly, I think, work, you know, my grandfather, he used to get all these rejects. So um, uh, I read your list of uh, questions and I've, and I've spoke to, uh, and I've listened to these, nearly every single one you've done. Um, one of them is, who inspired you? Both my grandfathers did. And uh, one's up in uh, heaven and the other, and the other bloke's, um, he's 90-odd, up in uh, northern New South Wales. Oh, wow. Both, good, both good with dogs, both, both talented um in different ways one was i think um you know was was he was amazing he and he got he got me going um anyway he 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 showed me you know what to do with and he would get people drop in we were at the back of he was at the back of bathurst and he would have people drop in and um and drop off these town rejects or people that had a dog so i go from a half-bred sheepdog pup and and they would, um, and they, and there was too much in town, so they drop it out to Vic. So old Vic would look, turn them into a, a champion and sell them, you know, for five or six hundred dollars back in the eighties. Anyway, he had like half-bred terriers and half-bred uh, Labradors. 
that he turned into sheepdogs. And I'm going, oh, my God. If you can do that with that, imagine a dog with talent. Um, <laughs> and, and we did. So we, we ended up setting him up with a few really good ones because he's too tight to pay for good dogs. And we, <laughs> um, we just told him. He, he wouldn't have accepted it if he said we had a boredom for him. And um, actually, that Ramulan bitch was one I bought for him as a kid. And uh, we also got one from um, near Millthorpe, uh, uh, Orange and Plainy. But um, anyway, so that taught me the value of, 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 you know, of work. And I think work makes a, can make a dog. So I think you can make a little, create a little bit of talent with your dogs if you, um, if you put the effort in. Um, and, and you need, sometimes there's a need, you know, and I can guarantee there's a hundred jackaroos, thousands of jackaroos over the years. Their first dog's their best dog because, um, because they've had to, they've had nothing else and they've had to make this dog do everything. And, and, and the buggers have, um, and I say, oh, it's the best dog you ever had. That's because you had nothing else and you had to make him do it. Do you remember your first dog? Yep. Uh, I had a pet dog. She was um, Bindi. Uh, she grew up around. She was a red cattle dog, um, extremely untalented with livestock. But my first sheep dog, um, Pop, gave that Ramulan bitch back to me, and and I was spoiled. And that that's what made me um, realize the value of a good dog. She had brains, and she definitely had brains. She had thinking. She wasn't the most athletic dog. But uh, she was the mother of that chance, and um, she, I guess she put a stamp, a stamp on the type of dogs that we're um, that we're trying to produce now. Um, because that little black bitch I worked this afternoon is a great, 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 great granddaughter, you know, and, and, and has that same bit ability, that same natural, um, I guess, shape on on a, on a stock, but you know, and and, and feel and. So she she was a she was a tremendous old bitch. So yes, she she was good. So she was Ramulan Maddie. We called her Biddy, and um, yeah, she was a ripper. Beautiful. Um, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, no, no that's all right. <laughs> um, what do you you mentioned your own lines there and bringing them for your own pups? What are you looking for in your own line? Um, it's been Obviously the same. Not Sorry. Obviously, not a lot of bite. No, I don't want the bite. When I was on cattle, I did, but I, I used to. I can work any mob of cattle with my soft sheep dogs and 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 my stumpy tails. Now it sort of goes against my LSS staff low stress talk anything when I talk about healers, but I believe in pressure and relief, and I believe the healers apply a lot of pressure in a very short period of time. But it's important that they give that instant relief. So they're allowed to give a whack on the heels. So maybe a nose bite and then a heel and then and then they've got to, if, if they do any more then that's naughty naughty little dogs they're not allowed to do that so i like so i i still see it as pressure and relief for my stock um so i can i can put up with with a, a dog that probably isn't a, a kelpie that isn't as powerful and i've had powerful dogs like old salty he was a he's a cracking old dog uh, matt simmons bred him um and he's a beautiful dog and he bred a lot of nice dogs for me um but and he was strong but um so i like i like cast and that country at ofa um we'd be out shipping 
um, serrated tussock out of the hills and blackberry spray and blackberries and that old dog that Pop had, he'd go out mustering of him by himself because we had about 115 sheep, little big time. Um, and uh, and he'd go out and go out in the scrub and he'd muster all these sheep, every single sheep on this 250 acres of rock and um, scrub and bitty bush. And he'd bring these and he'd bring all these lambs in, these sheep in, and we'd be chiffling and he'd just have them and held there. And Pop didn't have the heart to tell him to get out of it because it was his he was he was a bored old sheep dog and he just wanted to bring those sheep. So a good gathering dog, a good mustering dog. He's got to have cast, he's got to have heart and desire. Um, you know, uh, and 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 so um if you've got those things, I think you can make a dog out of them. You know, uh Yard, I love yard work. Don't get me wrong, I, re I love, I, I really do. But I was watching that National Kelpie Field Trial, and I was watching. I wasn't competing because I'm not very brave these days. Um, and and <laughs> <Very> uh, <honest. laughs> um, and and but I, I was I was loving the outside stuff. Uh, and Laura, as I said, sent you a message. I thought she had some great outside stuff. Thank I actually did. I found the inside stuff boring. I, I, like I've, I've competed in yard dog trials for years, or haven't for years, but um, I actually didn't find it as as interesting as you know what was happening outside. And a lot of dogs came undone when they come inside, but um, into the yard se uh, section. But I, 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 I like I take a lot out of outside. I think I think that's where where the kelpies excelled and what what they, what we bred them for. They've got to be able to work in the yards, but um, and I won't have a dog that won't work in the yard. But I don't need them to be everything in the yards. I guess yeah. um, that's that's my thoughts. It's my my my. If I've got a bias, it's definitely for the outside work. Mm -hmm. it, you mentioned that about your healers hitting noses and and heels. Obviously, healers though. But what about your kelpies hitting heels? Uh, never have had a Kelpie that's really hit heels, to be honest. They've always been a nose biter or chance she had a great front foot bite, um, which was highly effective. Uh, so I haven't, yeah, I honestly haven't. Um, I, yeah, so they've been pretty good on the, on the, on the, on the nose. And I don't, so, and I haven't selected for a heel biting Kelpie or, yeah, so I yeah I I, I, I don't my, maybe my grandfather he was a cattle breeder up there in Lismore maybe he and and I can't I can't remember him having heel biter but um but no definitely definitely nose bite I think it's got to be nose bite and um, yeah, yeah. He, heel in general I'm not I'm not I don't deny that heel in general is not conducive to uh, you know the good stock work. Um, when I talk in a class to about their flight zones and their blind spots, you know, directly behind them is terrible. I made a terrible rugby league player because I had zero peripheral vision. Um, and it's got nothing to do with my specs, more the fact I'm just a company. <laughs> but but um, and, and cattle cattle need cattle need um, uh, you know, they need to be able to see. And uh, yeah. and so so heel bite in general is not good. I just I guess I, I don't mind as I said pressure and relief. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Mate, and you've mentioned a few dogs there. Was there a most influential or favourite dog that you had in the past there? Um, I re- oh, geez. I always have – I always think about it, um, and I don't know why I think about it. Like, I like rating things. Um, it's just something wrong with my head. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got my top five. Uh, and, I'm off, mate. Um, but so – you know, so Biddy was the first one. She, you know, she was amazing and she was good at it all too. But she probably didn't have the finesse that when I put her to boss and I got that chance, bitch. And she was hitting a bit. And I don't think I've bred anything that's been a complete all-rounder like she was. She's only a little bitch and um, and she she trolled reasonably well considering she had a nervy boss that, you know, didn't probably didn't show off to best um and uh but she was she was a good little bitch um i had an avon park bitch that did uh trial very well and she didn't worry whether i had nerves or not she used to run over the top of me a bit she wasn't um she was a house deeds rex uh bitch and she she was pretty nifty especially in the yard she's weak as water on cattle um could work them and was keen on them but uh you know she wasn't very strong on cattle but as a sheepdog, she was probably up there. Old Salty, I liked him as a pup and offered Simo money for him as a pup and he said no. And uh, and then he sold him to me as a three-quarter broken dog. And um, and he was a straight yellow dog with a big buff head and I was forever um, explaining to people that I promise he is a purebred Kelpie. Um, but, oh, wow, that dog, he just had it all. He was... He was a bit big and he was a bit gumby is the way he, he moved sometimes. Um, as far as he wasn't a quick covering dog, he covered, but he didn't have the cover like that chance at all. Nothing would ever beat her. Um, and he wouldn't, but he, he'd have to give a bit of ground to do it. But power and strength and um, I would have loved to put him over her, but they just didn't match the timelines. I did put him over a granddaughter and that's where I got I got it. Uh, another one called Silk, and so she's she she was almost a chance. So they're they're probably my top five or four. So yeah, that's them. Very cool. How you going there? Um, no, I'm all right. Just what are you? Um, you know, you're doing a bit of everything with your dogs. Do you find like what is a genuine all rounder for you? Okay. Or is there, is there one? It's probably a better. It question. is hard, and I don't I don't necessarily agree that we have to have one. Like for instance, I got a young bloke who works for me, and he has got so Pat. He's got this cracking yard bitch, um, and and she will back up into a B double. She works. Oh my god! I don't think we've got a lot of. We've probably got forty dogs on the place, um, and. And she would work and work and work and work, and and she wants to, and, and it's that's she, it's just in her. She's got a big heart, this dog, and she's a great yard dog. He is getting a, and because he's becoming a tremendous um, dog trainer, uh, I think I, I, she's becoming good outside. But I don't necessarily think she needs it because we've got big long drives. He's got dogs that are probably better suited to it. And I, this is the way I, I see it. Um, you know, I've got Punch and I've, I've read, I, I took a bitch up to um, White's Jimmy 
eight years ago. Mm -hmm. We worked it out as eight years ago. And uh, and I kept two, um, and uh, and I don't normally do that. And I was going to plan on uh, keep one and sell the other one in an auction. And I've still got them both. And the, one, the black and tan dog, he was he's the best paddock dog I've ever bred. And cast them all and um, stick with them. And you could send him in the scrub. He was, he was just, you know, he's pretty nifty. And the red and tan fella, he's all bluff and bluster. Um, and he's just a gapper. He's like me. He's all noise. Um, <laughs> you know, the big blokes um, and getting in the way. He's a shit stirring bastard. But shift shape and, and has shifted a lot of shape. So um, completely different. You know, he's strong up on top. Um, he's got, he's a free barker, which whether people like it or not, um, he, he he does come back through and barking. He goes up over the top and barking. He's a, he's a genuine free barker. I don't really use him outside because I think I've got something better outside. So I like to use a dog where they're strong. So yes, there's, there's de we definitely need to be breeding for all rounders. Do I work them? So maybe not. I'll probably use them where they're strongest because we've got the amount of work to do that. If you only had a little place, I'd want the dog to do everything. You know, you don't want to feed them all. So you'd want, but we've probably got the capacity to, to have almost specialists. Cool. Sorry, mate. There's just a few questions come in. We look at them. We keep rolling here, or where they? Yeah, keep something? going here for a second. Oh no, workers, mate. And you mentioned before, um, like trainability and biddability. Um, how important are they to yourself? Being you. a trainer yourself. Well, I'm a shit ass trainer, so um, they've got it. They've I, got. I've uh, done it for a while. Sorry, you've done it for a while. I have. I have. No, it's not true. I, like I do. I, I no, love. I'm it. talking about training in general, like not not so much the dogs, like training. No, I know. No, not true. Um, I, no, I think um, I, I think the the biddability is something that I, I uh, place a lot on, and um, and I think a dog's. I don't like arguing with dogs. I'm I'm good at arguing with dogs, but I, I don't like it. I'd prefer not to. And so, some of the best stuff I've had, it's been a bit like that one you're talking about um, before we came on, where. It's you don't um, have to train them much, and they just sort of know. So I think part of the bit ability is almost an intelligence thing, um, and wanting to please. And and so I like, I definitely like that. I like I like a dog that wants to please. I've had dogs like Old Salty and and um, and that Avonpart Bella. They were tough dogs, and I had a good collie bitch called Tully, um, and she. And there's no getting through to it. Now, I argued with them every day of their lives. And I'd come home hoarse and you're, and you're and frustrated. They're tough and they go hard, but it's it's not as pleasant to work as, um, you know, as those, as those biddable ones. So I, try, I do look for that. Um, but if a dog's got talent, I'll put up with you. There might be a bit hard-headed. And, and just based on that, like being a trainer before – and then having your dogs, did you approach mindsets of training dogs similar to training people? Yeah, definitely. And and, and seriously, and it is it is very similar. Um, dogs, people, um, 
and I really got a lot out of um, your uh, talk with Tonks. We, we we have to get better with the way we do things. And and so I've done I've done a couple of Gary White schools. I've done Paul McPhail. I used to help Paul a little bit. And then I've, oh, I can't think of the bloke who's up in Bathurst. I've done Greg Prince. And I've done about 300 Ian O'Connell schools over the years, sat in them as a uh, coordinator. So I know his techniques pretty well. Um, but um, I, th I think, so I've, so I've observed a lot. And and a lot. Oh, Jake Nolan. A lot. And there's some stuff there. You go. Wow. That you know. It just changes your mind. Um, but we have to get better. And I think we can get better. I, I watch what you're doing, Dan. You know, it's in a different world. My wife comes from um, Melbourne originally, and then flyball and what they could do with their dogs. And go. Oh, we don't. I don't do things like that. But can I get more out of my dogs because of? of training techniques. So we've got to be more open to ideas um, to to do that. So I guess that's what I, I do that with um, with the dogs and, and I'm not afraid to try new things. And I'm definitely not afraid to try new things with, you know, training stuff. My worst thing now is that I don't have time to train staff and I, and just because it's, it's such a hectic role and I actually hate it. I actually, I really, really, really hate it. Because I'd love to teach some things to my staff that you know that I that I've learnt, um, uh, in, you know, and 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 pass that stuff on. Um, I am doing with my dogs, funny enough, but I'm not I'm not doing. Um, I've got a, enough time for that, but I don't have time for for the staff. Um, and the other and the other one that's terrible. This is even worse than all of it. Is is um, these roles are often not good uh, family time. So. I've got, a, I've got three great young kids that are mad keen passionate about agriculture and they should be learning stuff from me and I don't I don't have the time to to you know, be showing them stuff. So that's those are the things that I wish I was, you know, it's better, but it's on time poor is the problem. Yeah, and that that's a big shame, really. Yeah, absolutely. So when you say you approach your dog training the same as training people, in what ways? Uh, like confidence. So you got people, people, and everyone had confidence. The the reason I was a shit house um, rugby league player was was purely confident. My brother played state. He played for the Western Reds in Perth. Um, he was he was a, an amazing rugby league player, um, and that's because he's a cocky little shit, um, and he had self belief. I didn't. Um, I had a team, I had teammates that used to bag me out, and I played with them for five years. And and I and I honestly, every time the ball was coming, I thought I just kept having their image in my head. I'm going to drop the bloody ball, and um, and and guess what I did? I dropped the bloody ball, and and then oh god. So that was that was um, so, and I thought, well, that's so good. And, and when as I got older, funnily enough, I got a bit of confidence. In myself, and I became good in other areas, and um, I don't believe I'm as arrogant. Sometimes Annie says I'm arrogant, and uh, I and sometimes more people might think, it, but I promise I'm not. I I just am. I'm just trying to have self belief, and so I believe that in staff, and and in training young people and training dogs. So if they've got their self belief that they can do a job, so start little, grow big, 
you know, and 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 get little little um, achievements, um, and and so just and don't go don't go too far ahead. Give them give them stuff that's achievable. So you know, you start in the training yard. And I hate round yards for too long. I like to get out and about. Sometimes probably not as as uh, you know they should probably be in there a little bit longer with me. But I, I get out and about with probably not quite enough sheep. But I believe giving them some exposure and experience on that, and then you know once they can do that, I like to go. They come to work and they get to see the sights and smells of everything and the, and the sounds, and then you know they might just get a mob at a gate, and it might be twenty or thirty, might be five hundred. We run mobs of up to three thousand, so you know that's a big thing for a dog to have that exposure and to know where to position and balance themselves. But you don't go straight from the round yard to three thousand. You've got to you've got to start that up and give them exposure all the time. Mental. And they can't do that if they're home. They've got to be in your dog box, or they've got to be yeah. on the back of the bike or buggy girl. Yeah. So, yeah. Probably got a question that leads a bit there as well. Do you want to jump? Yep, that one. Eh? Um, Joe Levens asked, "What would some practical tips be if planning to get some youth together?" from various backgrounds to build esteem and resilience using dog training as a platform um, from your perspective through training people. So what was the beginning of that one, Laura? Sorry? No, that's all right. Um, what would you – what would some practical tips be if planning to get some youth together from various backgrounds to build esteem and resilience using dog training as a platform? Okay. So that's – a funny one. Sorry, I just wrote that down. Um, because we're talking about it. So that's right. That's what I thought it'd be. We're, we're talking about getting a um uh so you know we, we've got together and when Adam came on board, you know, he wanted to avail himself to the team and uh and 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 help everyone out that might you know might want to get together and do dogs. Like when you're a bit dog obsessed like uh most of us are in this field. Um, Any time to talk dogs, work dogs, look at dogs, um, watch dog porn on video, on Facebook, we do. And so I thought it was good, once again, time poor. But when we do, it's amazing. And so we'll get together with a couple of, uh, with, with our little group and have a few stubbies and bag each other out as we're working dogs. And, I, and a lot of the Kiwis do it better than us. So instead of going and, chasing foxes or pigs or whatever on the weekend the stockies over there they'll on a weekend they'll get together and they'll actually work, work you know train sheepdogs now we have no end of young people interested this is an example the um the uh you know the look at what victoria and the teams we've got of in victoria you know we've got a good young team that's super keen and passionate and and doing so well but that's Australia white so um I've, I've said to my team let's have a let's have a bit of a, a a working dog club and I want to do that and have that but and that's not new but I just want it to have it you know pretty relaxed free and anyway Josh Laddie rang me today and we, you know whether we can set something up a little bit more formal I wasn't going to go through the association but maybe it is the best way um and get people in and get involved trolling's a wonderful sport to make you better at stock work 
but getting together and, and doing it. Um, so I don't know whether that will help with esteem, or, but maybe it will help with um, confidence in in your abilities and, and perhaps. Um, there is a group as well that uh, there's a, there's a local woman that is running it that does it for um, depression. And even Gary White schools with... Um, uh, Red Cross. Yeah, and Red Cross. You know, and they're for, you know, for, um, you know, mental health and stuff. Dogs are wonderful animals because they make us feel good about ourselves. And and if they get better, uh, you know, if, they, if we can see improvements and they make us get better at what we do, then they, then they help us. And I, I know for a fact, you know, so many people get so much joy from their dogs. I do. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so I think the more we can do it, the better. As far as the training school, um, I, you know, I, I just think I, this club will be designed to, to make people feel better about what they do um, and, uh, and to get, get you better and the better you get without pressure not the pressure of a proper school, you know, it'll just be working dog afternoons or days, come and bring a dog, you know, we'll avail our place, but we can go anywhere. It doesn't matter. We're not tied down and it's, and you just try to get get together and, and, and talk dogs and, and work dogs. Absolutely. Build a culture, right? Yeah, that's what and, it is. Right. And culture's exactly right, Dan. That's exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah. Culture. And, and I think you touched on it before, like incremental stuff, like having achievable goals. And then yep. go, all right, so today in the next month, let's try and achieve ABC and cool. And then we're going to go on to the next level. I was, had to start thinking about the alphabet there. My head's too fast. So I can't do it. And then maybe have like small in- incremental goals. So rather than go, let's go A to Z, well, let's break A to Z down. What's that? 26. Six. So let's break down that down into five um, segments and make five different steps in each of that. Yep. Right. That is one missing. I know that. Um, and then work from there. And like maybe that will help with esteem issues. And obviously, with different backgrounds, everyone's going through different things and, and whatnot in their life and where they're up to. So that might even be diff- different demographics and different age groups. So if you keep things and try and have a common goal, do you think yep. that stuff like that can help? Oh, without a doubt. And, and no one has to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, I, I think. I think there's, you know, I'm, I'm happy to steal people's ideas and take the credit for myself. Ace, um, copy and steal everything. Yeah, that's that's my motto in life. I'm, I've got an Irish background. So that's what we uh, <laughs> I came out here as a convict. So, um, um, so I think I think it's, it's it's important to continue that heritage. But so it is it is something that um, I, you know you don't have to to make new. We just we just take people's ideas and say, okay, you've got a dog at this level. Um, you're at this level. We, you know, we, we think we can, you know, let's try to achieve this today. And, you know, I know lots of clubs do it. I, I, I didn't want it to be formal, but after talking with, you know, Josh today, there's probably a, a capacity to do it and do it formally. And then bring them into the fold of dog trialling um, and where they, they've got an outlet then and they've got a group, they've got a community that um, can, you know, further support them and they can go a long way. You know, there's there's lots of opportunities. So, yeah, I definitely. I think there is a capacity. Um, it would be wiser 
man or woman than I that, uh, to come up with it, but I'm happy to support it in any shape or form. And, and and not to harp on like about stuff that I've been involved with and but obviously um like the rough track and well Bernie Shakeshaft's done it with the back track boys, right? But rather than use dog trialing, he's used a high jump. Yep. Right. So yep. I suppose there's there's a couple of, of um I just had the word and I just had a stroke mid sentence, um, platforms that we could kind of copy and steal and just yep. insert into somewhere else, right? And some of it like trialing, imagine imagine you had like a group of six young fellows or whatever, and you just got up and everyone, all right, where are we going next week? We're going to this trial. And imagine the camaraderie you could have there and they have even the little competitions within the competitions to build more, to build and just keep building it like and just use them as building blocks. I've, I've seen dogs save lives and I've seen dogs give people a purpose in life and a, and a passion and in young ones. And so young ones are rough, you know, wrong side of the tracks and, and it's given them something to, you know, to live for. Um, oh my God, we you seriously could be. So you you might be right with that. Those platforms, we don't we we can easily morph them into something for you know for working with stock. Guess what? We also give them a career. Um, so That's it's cool. not just you know dog high jump. Whilst it's a wonderful thing, I, uh, there's no real outlet after after that. Um, but and I know the program is bigger than that. Um, but but you know we can give career is a, uh, in a, agriculture can be a wonderful career or is a wonderful career. So I think I think hell yeah, um, this is something that could could be grown. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, on on the something there, hundred percent. Mm. And uh, Joe, if that is something um, you are getting into, I'm more than happy to speak uh, with you uh, privately. At another time, mate, and spitball ideas. Um, I'm up for anything like that that helps young people. So, yep, uh, same. All up for that. Speaking of talking about helping young people out, how tell us about starting a pup, mate. What age do you start a pup, and what stock and what expectations do you have? Um, you know, I don't believe in starting a pup before it's two and a half. Um, <laughs> if my recent track records anything, go boy. Um, Fletcher's always asked me, "Oh, how's that young dog?" I so, oh, no, it's going really well. Um, but I'm, and in one respect, so while I was contracting, I did find it a challenging to. I'd have these young dogs, and I'd get them to a certain stage, and then, um, and then I'd go, "Oh, I'm not giving it the work," and I'd, I'd either give it away to a young person that needed was in need, or, um, or I'd sell it. And so, but. I've got some great young stuff. So, and what, what I do is, and it's a keep the instinct. So you've got to get the instinct out and you've got to get that reasonably early. So you've got to get that with young pups um, and you've got to get them showing sheep. They've got to be keen and, and, and bring that out because I have seen it the opposite where you don't and they actually lose it. Like, you, um, and, uh, and so you've got to, you've got to do that, but they don't have to be doing anything formally. It's just, you know, going around trying to balance and keep them on the other side. Don't put too many words to it. I don't put pressure on dogs. I used to when I was 18 years old and needed to build a team of dogs, but I don't need to now. And I've got that luxury of, of letting a dog grow up mentally. And I'm a big believer that the mental, uh, they can handle a lot easier if, they, if they're a little bit older. Because I've got these young ones and they range from, 
15 months to, you know, probably two years old that, that are just handling the training like eat with ease. And they're going from not much to being very useful dogs very quickly. And so, so that's been, so I don't have to rush it. Um, in, in the meantime, you've got back in the round yard, you've done your, your balancing and then you do put a command, but that's about six to 12 months. Um, after that, they're coming to work. Every, no, they're coming to work every day anyway. Um, and, uh, just for the exposure, but they're not probably not doing much. They might get tired at the back of the yard. Um, you know, seeing the action, learning restraint. When I had the Clipex sheep handler, I'd be, um, I'd have a dog tied up about a foot from me so that they learnt restraint. They were allowed to bark when I asked them to, but, you know, they they knew what quiet was. And so they just learnt quiet and they might get a mouthful of dust or, uh, or I've got a dog suit with water. And I sometimes would sit up uh, that to quiet, you know, and just, and nothing else, no physical, just a scoop full of water. Um, but then, yeah, but then, but it's it's all about, but you've got to get them keen. So they've got to be, keep from being exposed to that stuff. And so that's that's what it's done. But I, I, don't, I don't mind if they're not, um, if they don't fully know their sides till a bit later. It's in the ideal world, it'd be better. But I, as I said, I haven't been in a rush. I probably will do it a lot quicker now. Like that six to twelve months will will be a different thing now. You know, for me now that I've got I've got time on the job to do it, so I can do it with less guilt. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And and um, we spoke about like breeding a few parts. What what do you actually like about breeding? What what is it for you? What what keeps you intrigued? Well, if, if I could either breed or uh, a winner of the National Kelpie Trial or the Yard Dog or or um, or, or win one, I'd, I'd prefer to breed. And I don't know, to me, um, it's like breeding, you know, champion of Sydney Royal, you know, Hereford um, or Paul Dawson or Marino. You know, there's a, I think there's a lot more involved in that. Um, but, the, you know, so... Um, so the, for me, uh, so what was the question again, Dan? I've lost what do you, what's your kicker for breeding? Like what, what do you enjoy out of it? Oh, so I just like breeding, a, you know, the next champion. And I hate when I've, I've breed average Joe, you know, I, I, I want, I want, I want them all to be champions. And when they're six weeks old, I think they are, um, I go, wow, this is going to be it in a bit. And then, and then they become feather dusters, but the, um, but I do, I do, and and to see something that you go wow, or, or something you've bred and someone else has got, and you go, you, well, you're dirty that someone else has got it. At <laughs> least you know, hey, I've bred something pretty cool there. Um, and and so I just, it's it's that next generation and making sure. Um, and I don't wait, you know, I don't always wait long enough for them to, you know, because I've had too many losses. Where I mean, there's one time there I lost five dogs in. In three months to snake bite, um, and uh, and and so I don't always wait until they show me everything. If they're showing me some really good talent, I, I, I'm not afraid to breed them younger um, from 12 months on or something, um, just because I, you can lose genetics so quick. So yeah, yeah I, I, do, I do like breeding. I breed one or two litters a year. I'm not a volume breeder. I'm, I always breed. I always keep something. Um, and uh, and uh, you know we're not and I'm I'm not 
I'm not up there with the best. I've got lots to learn as far as breeding, but it's it's something that I that I want to get better at. That's for sure. She's a quick. What do you take away? You said you're not up there with the best. What do you take away from the best? Uh, um, so size selection and making. I, I do pick a lot of people's brains. I've I'd sit and I'd like the, you know the the capris and the whites and um, and that having parts over the years. I've I've often asked them, but um, and they don't give all their secrets away. They'd be mad to. But you know, I, so. I started breeding a bit closer years ago, um, and and funnily enough, I started to breed a little bit more consistently. Um, uh, the best um, stumpy tails I've ever bred. I actually bred, uh, you know, a grandson over grandmother, and uh, ended up getting something really special there. Um, and it took me years. I was looking for years. It's really hard to find stumpy tail genetics working stuff that's consistent yeah. and uh and so so that was a really good thing um that i did but then I, i've actually ended up with you know with these stomachs that do nothing now but it's a but i got i got the work on you know i want it um so i guess i guess line breeding is something that um there's there's a bit of science too, and I, I'm not—I don't pretend to be an expert, but I prefer to do it that way or common ancestry rather than than complete outcrosses. And that's what I ruined with that Capri Bosbich. I, I was—I was choosing the right. I believe the right size every time, um, but they were—they were 100 percent complete outcrosses, and so I think that was my—that was where I was going wrong, and um, and so yeah, so started to try to align things a little bit better that way. I think that's that's where that's where I think you know that's where I focus my my breeding wise these right these days. Yeah, sweet. So, um, have you done much trialing at all over the years? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm probably the least a, a successful trialer. I'm, I've often got the oldest novice dog on the course. <laughs> um, um, but that's and I'm fi I'm fine with that. Um, you know, when you've got a distinct lack of talent like I do, it's 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 often hard. But uh, I loved I love trolling. I got involved. I did, started trolling in ninety. It might have been ninety nine, um, and uh, and old Joe Attenborough, he's dead now. He's a bloody champion, and he got a few got a good good few young people. He mentored a few people. Um, his career. He was out at Molong. He was a three sheeper, but he used to run the the orange and the Molong. Uh, yard dog trials and he's a gentleman he was um he got me into trialing and i so i did three sheep i did yard dogs um actually one actually won the molong encouraged three sheep uh it might be my best trial win yet with a score <laughs> of zero but um i was the only one i was the only one to pen um but um so yeah so i started there i got a few good encouragers i got oh I honestly like I, I go into my shed and I've got ribbons and trophies up there that I forgot I've even got um, from when I was in New South. I moved to uh, Victoria. I don't know. I found it tougher down here, and, I, and to be honest, I don't love it as much down here. And then I spent twelve months in Tassie, and I think whatever Tassie is, I loved it. The best trial I've ever been to is the Tunnock trial. If you ever get a chance, go to the Tunnock trial. There is not the same breed or shape of sheep 
uh, across the whole lot that they get in. You might have little tiny Saxon Merino, and then you'll get this massive, big um, <laughs> composite weather that they've pulled out of the scrub somewhere. And you've got to fit, <laughs> if you've got 12 sheep in the race, you've got to fit all 12, whether it's full of those composites or full of those uh, Saxons. It's uh, that's cool. And the best thing is it's across the road from the pub. So it, uh, <laughs> the minute that trial finishes, you're in there. And um, those, uh, everyone knows those Tassie boys know to, how to party. Um, so I've, I've, trial, I've trialed reasonably well. I did okay um, over there. And I, and I still – and there's some good talent there. I did okay in my younger days in New South Wales. but And I was in finals in Victoria at times, but I – I've never come up with massive chocolates. I love it, and I love the sport, and it definitely made me better at what I do. Um, oh, I did. I did have. I ran a ninety-eight in Blaney. Um, it was two thousand. It was the year two thousand, and I had the worst hangover. I could still have been drunk, to be honest. Um, and I got a ninety-eight, but everyone else was somewhere else. So I got a ninety-eight, and the conveners at the time said, "Oh, look, Scott, you've won a great try. I got first and second in the novice." Um, and against there's a couple of other Muppets there that um, didn't that didn't do any good. And I thought, yes, this is amazing. And I didn't even get a ribbon, and I didn't even get the prize money because everyone else was some, at some other big trial. I went, oh no! So that was my best win ever. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I, I've got a trialing career that's uh, a bit bland, but uh, I've enjoyed and I've met some great characters and people. Um, and I suppose that, that brings me then. You've mentioned a couple of different formats of trialing, but but why do or did you trial? What what was it? Yeah, I, uh, I think he's answered that like fifty times. Yeah, but he just started talking about the people, and I was yeah, yeah it is. No, I'm, I'm actually anti-social, Dan. So you probably think that it is the people, but um, <laughs> unless it's the first night at uh, Mansfield, and I got um, very socially lubricated, excited. Um, but um, no, no. So it is. It is the people, and it is one. And it's a wonderful um, forum to meet people and like-minded people, and to uh, and and to test your metal against others. And don't get me wrong. I don't go out there to uh, to lose. You you go out there to to compete, and um, and that's probably why I don't compete as well. I don't have the finesse on my dogs that I probably should. And I get chastised by a few of the old older. Crew now that said, "When are you coming back, Scotty? Why aren't you? Uh, why don't you ever dog in this weekend?" And 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 it is true. And I do feel, uh, you know, that I, I should be there. And I and and in here, I think I think I am good enough. Um, and so it is a it, it's it's a wonderful thing trialing. As far as for, forums, I mean, I was part of the Victorian Cattle Dog Association when we first set it up. Um, I love you. My favourite forum is the utility, and I think the utility is a true test of a dog. Um, and and to see the USDs and what these, what the new generation is is making it. Wow, that is phenomenal, and that's what we should be doing. Just so we know, I'd clean everyone up with my chance if I still had it today. <laughs> I would. That'd be unbeatable. I guarantee. I love it. Um, I love it. So. It's just, talk. Love it. yes, I, I'm full of shit, but um, but no, but no, so that's that's yeah, I, I trolling is a great thing, and I highly recommend it for everyone. Everyone, 
Absolutely. And do you believe it made you a better stock? Well, you touched on it made you a better person, but how did it make you a better stock person? Well, you got to you got to know with ten sheep or three sheep or whatever for him it is, or, or three head of cattle that want to eat your life. Um, and because that's what it's like when we first set up that association, it is. It's actually really you've got to show a little bit of um, restraint for you and your dog. You've got to have control. You've got to be able to position your dogs. And um, and I I think I can. I I'd still do all those things now. Um, the one thing I hate, the only thing that I dislike about trialing when you employ someone that is a pure trialist <laughs> is when they stand there and they stand on the end of the gate and they don't help their dog. Yeah. Um, and it drives me bonkers. Um, and because we're not at a trial now where you're here to shift, you know, 3000 head of sheep today, you've got to, you got to pull your finger and as does your dog, you've got to help your dog. You've got to turn those heads. But what it does make you do is you position you can, you need to be able to position your dog where where it's having the the most effect, and that's where it makes you better at what you do. Um, yeah, too much pressure blows it up. Not enough. You're not you're not achieving your end goal. No, well, so and I'm actually glad you highlighted that thing about you know standing on in the gate and, and not helping your dog. Been in plenty of situations out there where you you see someone that. You're out actually in work, and they're working like a troll, and like there might be some young stock or something around, and there's fences, and you're like, mate, just get off the gate, get, go yep. and move, go and go and go help. And help them. You got to help young dogs. Young, young dogs sometimes need help, you know. Um, and it doesn't ruin your dog. It doesn't. Like you, you've got, you know, you've your dog knows when it's troll day and when it's not. And if you're doing enough at home, or you know, on the, you know, in the training pen. That, and you've done that well, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't matter. It does make you get in the training pen more. That's 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 the other thing it makes you better at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career in the livestock and working dog industries? Uh call me. Um I, I need I need as many people as I can get. No, <laughs> um, so, and and it's Seriously, there is so many opportunities. Um, so I, I, I do say that in jest, but I, I'd love to offer people opportunities. But sometimes, you know, we're, we're probably not set up for training big time, but there are lots of places that are. Um, be picky about where you go. Remember the interview, if you go for an interview, the interview is for you too. So as in you're, you're interviewing them. So if you don't get a good vibe from someone, there's plenty of opportunities for ag at the minute. We're all crying out. Well, it doesn't matter what field we're in at the minute. There's, everyone needs staff, but we're all crying out for staff. Have the right attitude. Um, unfortunately, agriculture is not nine to five. I wish it was sometimes. It's not nine to five. So don't be realistic when you come in, but there's so many opportunities. It's a great career. As I said, I... Agriculture skipped a generation for me, and I came in pretty green, um, and uh, and I was just lucky. I fell on my feet with the with the, with my second employer, so you that helps you. Um, so just get in, have a go. Um, don't be afraid to uh, um, to ask questions. That's really important, but just ask them at the appropriate time. And be realistic about, you know, if you if you actually want it in, you know, on farm, 
remember, it's not going to be nine to five, unfortunately. And how much you're going to pay me probably isn't the best question mm -hmm. to lead with as well, right? And turn up on time for it, uh, for eight. I'm late to everything, but I'm never late to a job interview. Um, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. That's exactly right, Dan. Yeah. That's exactly right. But, yeah, so, and and it is, and, and all of those things. I had someone turn up, and the first thing they asked for was a tank of fuel. Um, they surprisingly didn't get the job. Um, <laughs> and you go, oh, my God. Like, there, there is a hide of people um, out there, but... Uh, yeah. Well, I have given some jobs to some no-hopers and turned them into legends. There's one bloke in Tassie. Oh, my God. He he actually moved to an area. Hopefully, he's not listening tonight because he's a good bloke. Sorry, um, I just don't remember names. <laughs> he, moved, he, moved, he, moved, he moved to um, this remote area so he couldn't get a job. Um, and he said he was a computer technician. He wasn't. That was just what he told Centrelink. And he was out in the middle of nowhere. So, unfortunately, he couldn't find a job for... Uh, computer technician well i gave him a job on on this big cattle operation um and he tried to rule the roof for a bit and we ended up pulling him into line he became an absolute dead set legend in the cattle you know for he, he was a great worker great stuff and and he's still in the industry to this day so yeah. you know so you can't there's some great opportunities in ag great opportunities Am I, uh, is there someone you'd like us to sit down and have a chat with on Dog Talk? I want more Kiwis. Um, yeah. ki kiwis annoy me. Uh, <laughs> Tell us what you really think. Uh, um, the world should be more black and white and less grey, I think. But um, but we the, we need more uh, – I think you need more – I love the Hunterways. I know Pip talked about Hunterways and, and she's got some uh, great dogs. She's extremely talented. But we need – I think – if you can get onto some good ones, and I don't know, Bernard McLashen might be a good uh, connection. He's a good Kiwi. Come, he's now Aussie, um, but I, I love the old Hunterway and what they do with with that mongrel breeder dog, um, and what they can achieve is is phenomenal. And they, they, we think we know how to work Hunterways over here. Jake and Pip are probably the only two in Australia that know how to work a Hunterway, um, because we we, we don't, we're, and we ruin them. Um, and uh, but they're a great dog in the right hands, so I, I'd I'd love to hear some more of that that stuff and and how to over the ditch how they do ag, um, and it, it's a whole pool of stock handlers over there that we don't know about. I don't know any, yeah. but that, that's someone I think that's some a direction I'd like you to go anyway. But you by the way you're going great, um, so Thanks. you don't need any help. You're going bloody beautiful. I love the one with Tonksy last week. Um, I used to read Tonksy's articles in the magazines when I was a kid. I reckon it's, it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's good. Appreciate it. And just on that, if um, if there is anyone out there that does have any connections to someone over the ditch there and they'd like us to speak to, like, please just reach out to us and yeah. then hook us up. Like, we're running blind sometimes, right? So give us light. Yep. Good. Fantastic, mate. It's come to that time of the night. Um, is there a question that stood out to you and they will win a bag of enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat? Um, and, and this, to be honest, there was a stack of questions that come through, but they actually came through after the topics we spoke about, so we kind of didn't backtrack. No, I'm sort of glad because a lot of people were going to give me a fair bit of grief tonight. They said, So, oh, we didn't answer that. We, we, there was a few of those here as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you, you um, so entertained that we thought we'd just keep rolling on. 
Um, no, thank you. And I knew, I knew you'd vet them well, so um, that's why I told them, go your hardest. But um, I'm a good one. No, well, the, the training um, and, 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 and how we can build esteem, um, I thought Joe that was – was that Joe? Yeah, Joe Levin. Joe Levin, yeah. sorry. Um, and I honestly, I, I think that there is the more and more I see of that, and the and the power that's in, in the old, in the old mongrel sheepdog, um, is and what it can do for for us. Um, I, I think that's great. So I thought that's a great question. Fantastic, Joe. If you get in contact with us, a bag of enduro coming your way, uh, and Scotty got a bag coming your way as well, mate, for being a guest and giving us Thank your time. You. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome, mate. But you don't get away that easy. One last question, as always. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? And why? Well, I, I actually went back through your dog talk one. I was going to say um, about the the the, uh, the duck one, because, but I saw that one you posted about that duck going nuts on that. <laughs> yeah, holy <laughs> crap. That was that meant business. But... Because I've got a bit of Irish blood in me, and I think I can—I'm—I'm I'm more a lover than a fighter these days. But I still—I'll take—I'll take—I'll take the numbers. I think I'll take the the twenty horses the size yeah. of uh, the twenty ducks the size of horses. Beautiful. That, no, the opposite. Twenty horses the size, size of ducks. ducks. Thanks. When I think of that, I think of like the Happy Gilmore, and they're all on the ponies in his dreams <laughs> around his circles. I don't know why, but anyway, it's for association, right? Scott, thank you very much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been very entertaining, and we could sit here for another three hours yeah, and sorry. get on to topics that are even different with different dogs, like we did the other night. Um, really appreciate, it, mate. Thank you. It's great to meet someone else that's uh, got a lot of enthusiasm uh, for what they do as well and passionate. And to everyone that uh, logged on, there's a stack of people that jumped on tonight. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for your questions. Um, and to everyone that listens back. And please remember, we learn every day, and the day we stop learning will be a sad day. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate.